And the final comment uh, comes from a user called Terry from Balimba. Terry says, When I listen to this song, I'm reminded of my ex, Linda. We dated in the 1980s. Not that she knew, of course. It was a love-hate relationship. I loved her, and she had no idea who I was. Come to think of it, it was more of a love-slash-no-idea-who-you-are relationship. I would wait in the car outside of her boyfriend's house, listening to Prefab Sprout every night. Great band and great house. Her boyfriend died in the 1990s, and I only recently got out of jail. When I listen to Prefab Sprout, I'm reminded of those long, hot summer nights, those endless nights waiting in that car. I don't know where she lives now. Now I sit in this bar, waiting for her to walk in. Not that I think she will, because it's the Royal Exchange Hotel, and it's a Wednesday. Play it again, Sam. Play it again. It's midnight. What are you kids still doing up? But, Dad, why are you still up? A decanter of banter. Top of the evening to you, dear listeners. Wow, it certainly is cold outside, but it's warm in your hot tub with your radio resting precariously on the edge there. And it's only going to get warmer in there as you get way too comfortable to get out to go to the bathroom. If men were water, it is raining men out there today, guys. And rich white water have caused all the world's problems to date. If cats and dogs were water, then it's raining cats and dogs out there, guys. And I keep all kinds of breeds of water in cages in my basement so I can make my famous party pies. Hey, Jack speaking. Hello, Jack. How you doing? Jack from Psychedelic Porn Crumpets. Welcome to a decanter of banter. A decanter of banter? That's amazing. What a name. Thank you. Um, oh, spied up. Uh, Karen, there's a spider. up. You're in town, you're in the Big Smoke, the Big Apple, Brisbane, for a Big Sound Music Festival. The atmosphere's electric. Sorry? Is the atmosphere yeah. electric out there? Oh, is the atmosphere electric? It has been, yeah. The Fortitude Valley is. It's all lit up. There's, um, what have they got? Projections on the walls. It's pretty cool. Yes. A lot, a lot of extra funding this year. We moved a few homeless people down to Sydney, freed up a bit of room in the government budget. <laughs> We've got some flashy lights. Some flash of, yeah, no, it's nice. I think we were homeless last night. We're trying to trying to find our house. I can't get outside. I don't know how to work the the lock on the door. Oh, there you go. I'm, I've done it. I think. You you're homeless, and they put you in the lockup, did you? <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Uh, yeah. Right, I'm outside. I've done it. Here oh, we fantastic. Go. Oh, I wasn't kind of enjoying the psychedelic reverb you had there, but um, it's nice to hear <laughs> you clearly now, mate. Um, yeah. So. First things first, let's talk about the band name, Psychedelic Porn Crumpets. Did you just look around the room and the first three things you saw, psychedelics, pornography and crumpets, did you just name your band after that? <laughs> I just keep porn on the laptop all the time. No, um, I don't know. I think we just sort of wanted something that was strange and remem- uh, memorable. Was that a word? Yes. Is it a, yeah, memorable is a word. No, like, um, just sort of, going against the grain I suppose I have like names that don't make sense and you kind of have to interpret it however you want to interpret it so anyone can have their own idea or meaning of what a psychedelic porn company is like there's not really it can be anything but it's kind of wild and absurd so that's kind of the way we are so we just keep it weird Right. See, I, I thought it was, I thought you just looked around the room because I named my band after you and it turned out to be S Club 7 CD Fingernail Clippings Collection and Abducted Child Bit of a mouthful. She's a dead child. Um, She's in the room. Right. <laughs> so, so as they say, Brisbane still better than yep. Perth. 
Um, is it? Apparently, that's what the, that's what the old saying is. The old saying. Okay. How do you make You've had a taste of the midweek nightlife in Brisbane. Yeah, have you seen some bands you like here? Yeah, we saw. Well, actually, when I saw Carla Geneve last night, all the Perth bands. She, she's great. <laughs> um, Mosquito Coast was amazing. I caught the end of Rat Hammock, and I really wanted to see them. I've been listening to their music for a while, but yes, they, they were great. Um, today, you're going to see rave tapes, and I think a friend we saw Ace Wazy and the Ghosts. So that was yeah, they're really cool. There's a lot of bands around. It, it is. It's just like too many bands to go see at the one time though they should just spread it out over like a month and just Absolutely. have one gig one night and then you can see everything big sound music festival they say there's 150 bands it's more bands than yeah. crabs on an irish backpacker <laughs> there is, there's a lot yeah you know, you know there's actually a, a very special prize if you see all 150 bands do you know what it is what is it hearing loss hearing yeah i <laughs> get or a headache because you'd have to be in like 12 places at once how many venues there's quite a lot of venues too but oh, it is great like, account. yeah there is the beers are beers are nice as well the Bob beer the beer of Big Sound decent drop really yeah it's good is it a craft beer is it it's, yeah it's like um, I've still got it in my mouth it's like a sour I think where it's like half sour half pale ale but it's um, not bad. Maybe it's like uh, a Young Henry's kind of drop yeah because usually so, craft beer is Latin for amateur crap beer <laughs> Made by my friend's dad. I like craft beer. I, I, I think it's good because it's just—it's going to be strange. You never had it before. Could be a good taste. Could be a bad taste. Like all pale ales, they're nice. It's better than lager. You know what you're getting with a lager, and you're like, I don't know. There's no point drinking it. I love lagers, <laughs> mate. You do? I just you're like saying man. the word. Lagers, lagers, like, lagers. <laughs> that's it. It's like that's why everywhere all the um, what do you call it? The businesses, like your tradie businesses, are called Regal because yeah. it's lager backwards. <laughs> Um, so, with with your rather wacky and a, and actually quite lovable band name, do you find that maybe people who have been googling psychedelic porn have accidentally stumbled upon your band and perhaps liked it? We we had a lady who was looking for psychedelic crumpets or something, and she actually rocked up to a gig in Margaret River. Was like I literally was looking up like some ways to design crumpets and ended up coming to a show because of it. So that was kind of cool. <laughs> she thought it was a very uh, elaborate drop off. Yeah, I don't know about psychedelic porn. I, I, I suppose, I don't know, there must be a few people. You get like a weird crowd. Yes. They all come dressed strangely, so, yeah. I, I, was thinking, I mean, the names of your fans, you could call them either, you know, our fans are psychos or the porn stars, or you could just call them seedy bastards who are searching for pornography and down their The Crumpeteers, I like that one. Yeah, That's that one. Crumpeteers. I do like yeah. that. So, yeah. I mean... What is in the water in Perth? I mean, we've got a couple of psychedelic bands, um, Tame Impala for one, and Pond, and now the psychedelic porn crumpets. Is there LSD in the water? LSD? I don't know. I suppose everyone, like, because of Tame, like, they set, like, a hell cool way on it. It was just, like, great to go out and be like, you kind of want to follow in their shoes a bit. Like, especially, like, I know rock music since ACDC back in Frio, like, in the 70s or whatever. It's always been sort of like a rock town, so it was nice to have that, I don't know, what do you call it, like, you, you've got big shoes there to fill, so whatever you kind of create, you're like, at least we're in good company, so, I don't know, you just want to carry on the, the good trend and keep the wave flowing, Yes, in a sense. And and those two aren't the only big names in Perth, there's also Venkat and Arisama Rajivarupet. <laughs> a, a, a local Indian man. Very big oh, name. Really? We we were looking for a, like a, a, a what are they called? Not Ravi Shankar. He's the he's the guy with the sitar. Yeah. Well, Harry Krishna. We wanted like a Harry Krishna chant for a song. There was one just busking, so we were asking them if they wanted to be on the record. But I don't think it ended up happening. But that would have been cool. He didn't want to sell out. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, the Beatles did it. We're just sixty years out of date. Yes, but Ravi Shankar was actually a bit of a pervert. Um, it's why John Lennon became very oh. disillusioned because they brought him in and uh, he was very happy to record with them and then they let him loose on London and he was just groping everyone. <laughs> oh, God, that's so awful. Yeah. yeah but, like, maybe they just kept him in his peace garden. It would have been better there. Yes. Um, so what, what's coming up around the corner for uh, you know, the, the Crumpets? Uh, is there an album, is there a tour in, uh, coming to Brisbane? 
Yeah, we've got a, um, a tour coming up um, on Sunday, actually, heading over to Europe for the first time. That would be the first time we've left the Australian shores. Wow. Really? Um, yeah, so that's really exciting. And we've got a new album. we just come out with a new single, Social Candy, which is going down pretty good. And but, it rocks. And we'll yeah, thank you very much. It rocked my sock. Pre- yeah. <laughs> and they have one leg. One Sorry, you should have mentioned that at the beginning of the interview. <laughs> I can't tell over the phone, so it's all good. <laughs> but um, what do you call it? Yeah, like um, it will be part of an album when we release that. I think next year's plan. But at the moment, we're just going to town, writing as many songs as possible. I think we've got like um, I don't know, like forty or fifty tracks to choose from. So yeah, it's been it's been good. It should be a nice album. I'm happy with it. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, now, we've got some uh, fan questions uh, coming in. Uh, this one's from Terry from Belimba, uh, Jack. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he asks, would you rather travel into space, right? Awesome, travel into space, but with a yeah. guy who won't stop talking about Bitcoin, or <laughs> yeah. have dinner with the ghost of Jimi Hendrix, awesome, but you have to eat a big molten bowl of cashew cheese. Molten bowl of cashew cheese? Yes. Um, I suppose the space would be pretty cool. I think that, but the Bitcoin would be, uh, yeah, drive, drive you mad. We've got that one friend, don't we? They're always banging on about Bitcoin. Yep, they do. They talk a lot. I think um, I've got to head off for another interview, if that's cool. Oh, busy boy. Busy bee. Sorry, Sorry man. I don't want to be, sound like that person. No, no, no. I get what it, I get, I get, I get you. I'm also... It, it's like me going to the club. I've got to talk to one girl, and I'm sorry, there's another girl over here I need to talk to. Um, <laughs> that never happened to me. You're a lucky man. Thanks for joining me, Jack. Very looking forward to seeing you on... On Thursday. Is on Thursday. At Big Sound. Tonight. Today. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I'll be there, but are you coming back later on? Um, oh, yeah. We are coming back in October. Playing the zoo. Yes. I think it's either September or October. At the end of the month, it's all, it's all hectic. All right, so everyone, go along in like September or October or something like that, and also buy Social Candy. Great record. <laughs> buy it. The 7-inch. Yeah. Actually, we do have it on a 7-inch. Yeah, on a record, on a vinyl. Sorry, my brain's just slowly ticking into gear. I'm like, I haven't thought about myself in a while. All so those bobs. Uh, Too many bobs, mate. <laughs> Too many bobs, yeah. All right. It's a good beer. Have a bob. All right, well, Bob's your uncle and your dad because you're an inbred. Thanks for joining us. Uh, a colleague of mine uh, came by um, uh, yesterday and she said there was a, an endangered species bake-off coming up. And I almost fell off my seat when I heard that. An endangered species bake-off? And she said, yeah, what's wrong with that? You just bake a cake and it uh, you make the cake look like and then your favourite endangered animal. So you might make a, you know, a ring-tailed possum-shaped um, cupcake. And I said, well, because I'm sure there's going to be at least one person who's showing up with a Tasmanian devil uh, shepherd's pie, and someone's going to be going, Leanne, look, the pie is delicious. This is my third helping. But it isn't shaped like an endangered animal. So <laughs> what's it doing here? Uh, um... Basically, there's a very special message from UNICEF that I need to pass on this morning. Um, And if you have given to a charity lately, one of those African charities, um, in fact, it reminds me, uh, there was a Christmas a few years ago, our our, our family Christmas, and um, my my mother got one of our cousins for the Kris Kringle. And she called up the family and they were like, do you know what um, uh, this cousin, do you know what, do you know what they want for Christmas? And the, the parents said, look, all she's put on her wish list this year is, um, you know, that you buy something for Africans in Africa. Um, so if you can just buy it and then just give her the receipt for Christmas that just says, you know, that you bought some some Africans, like some food, um, she'd love that. That's what she wants for Christmas. And my, my dear mother, probably thinking that she was being pranked right now, um, and uh, going to make my cousin cry on Christmas when she didn't get the dollhouse she wanted. Um, actually, legitimately, this girl wanted that for Christmas. She was trying to, I, I guess, uh, moralise, trying to take the moral high ground on Christmas. <laughs> I Christmas is not a time for giving gifts 
and between friends and family. Christmas is a time where you send gifts to Africa. What do you got? So my, my mother got her a, a little voucher that said, you know, that she had bought um, some condoms, uh, some condoms for, for people in Africa. And uh, I still remember this girl opening the present and just going, yes, yes. She was the most, she was the happiest person at Christmas. She was jumping down, jumping up and down as if uh, she just got a bloody convertible Audi in the Kris Kringle. And I thought, well, I was very young at the time. I was about, you know, 10 or 11. And even then, I just shook my head uh, as I ate my turkey and ham and said, cousin, you are so full of Anyway, so um, basically all this uh, charity money that we've been giving uh, to the you know UNICEF and other charities like that, it's actually um, gone to fund because um, uh, we, we, we want to build schools for Africans so they can uh, learn and be empowered through knowledge. Knowledge is power after all. So what we've, what is a really great achievement because what we funded is um, the African Department of Education and unfortunately it is a bit bureaucratic but of course we need departments um, and there's one thing you can learn from the, the government of Australia is that we, you, you need a department to get anything done a department that has a lot of meetings and admin staff you see there's so there's executive department officers for, for each African country and they've also got some secretaries and, and there's you know there's the assistant executives and uh, there's a lot of admin staff there and um, they have operational staff meetings every Tuesday and Thursday. These meetings go for about half the day and they discuss what they'll be doing in the second half of the day and um, at those meetings. And of course there's a, there's a quite an extensive um, HR team and, and people and culture team because they need quite a lot of staff to organize the monthly laser tag night that no one in the office actually attends other than the person who thought it was free and uh, spends the next couple of weeks frantically sending emails so that they don't get the fee deducted from their weekly pay um, and of course every department um, office at the at this African Department of Education also has an IT IT uh, team and um, the IT team is actually twice the size of the actual the actual team of staff at the department um, so that uh, if any any um, member of staff forgets their password um, the IT people can help them reset that password um, in fact the IT team is so extensive that um, if every single member of staff forgot their uh, password at the same time they could all be helped um, with IT staff to spare so um, there's also a, a quite an extensive uh, in-house legal team and risk and compliance team as well at this uh, uh, Department of Education and um, they just need to make sure that the department abides by the African Department of Education Act of 2018. Um, it's very important that they, they uh, comply and uh, they take a, 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 a risks. And um, also under the new management plan the department has released, it, um, it spent the last two years uh, coming up with the, with the five-year plan, um, uh, it was oh sorry it was it was they spent ten years uh, coming up with the next five-year plan, and um, uh, basically they they hope to uh, start a school, um, build a school somewhere in Africa by 2022, and um, they just got to do some uh, uh, finance projects just to to see what the costing will be. And there'll be a, quite a few site visits by a lot of staff there. And they'll be staying in the nearby five-star hotels. Um, and they'll need a few admin staff to go along too and some interns. Um, but um, because of uh, the, the rather high staff wages at the, um, at the department, and as I said, it is a bit bureaucratic, but, uh, you know, you need... You need these departments to get things done, and um, there's quite high wages at the department. So, because of all the high wages, all those, all that money that we actually send over from Australia to those charities, actually uh, paying the staff. And uh, what's left over is that they actually they're going to need to. Um, these classrooms will probably be built out of. Um, there'll be huts, you know, made out of cow dung. Unfortunately, that's all we they can afford with the leftover budget from the department. And because they can't actually afford cows, um, 
the uh, the huts will actually just be made out of um, uh, the dried human of staff members at the department. So they're going to be in uh, human dung huts, the the classroom, which they do aim to be to build uh, by 2022. So. Honestly, guys, I'm urging you, from everyone here at Fortunes, to give generously um, to these African charities so that they can fund the African Department of Education and that all the staff there and their admin assistants and their IT team and risk and compliance teams um, can be uh, fully paid according to their employment agreements and, and so that all the staff there can get their, their two-year maternity and paternity leave um, and their mental health leave and their domestic violence leave and also so that they can uh, fully stock their um, their wellness rooms at the Department of Education and as I say it's a bit bureaucratic and um, but uh, we really need to fund so that eventually they can build that human dung hut and get some of those African kids off to school eh? so this is a really um, special message there from UNICEF thanks guys anyway so on the topic of these hawkers as I, as I say uh, the, the down in Federation Square, the, in Melbourne, there was that driver who, who went into the, the the square and he was doing um, uh, donuts, and then he he uh, he ran into a crowd of people, um, innocent people, uh, some of whom lost their lives and suffered serious injuries, and he was recently uh, reported to have been let off on mental health grounds, but if I understand correctly. Um, he actually was not let off because he had um, mental health problems. He was actually let off because uh, he actually just drove into a pack of uh, hawkers for African charities and everyone had no problem with that. So um, going to Africa, um, and people seem to think that a holiday in Africa is somehow um, an exercise in goodwill. People think they're doing charity work just by holidaying in Africa. Even if they just go to you know or an orphanage and just play with African child orphans for an afternoon um, before they get sold off to to child armies, um, and I hear that these orphanages actually they 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 starting to want to ban uh, Western tourists from visiting because they Western tourists treat these places like petting zoos. They apparently. And, and I, I think there's lots of evidence of this on Facebook, that they just uh, get a photo of themselves uh, getting smothered by these uh, adorable young African orphans who, who've tragically lost their parents, and then they hang out for the day, get their nice new profile picture, and they head off and um, never see these kids again, and these kids get absolute withdrawals and, and complexities from um, you know having these father figures in their lives just for one afternoon. Um, yeah, we got the photo. We'll, we'll head off, and it's like, "Daddy, Daddy." But uh, I do, I do get the idea of when you when you pose for a, a new Facebook profile picture with uh, with small children or, or babies. I tell you what, I mean, my, my sister's pregnant, uh, due to give birth in the, in the next few weeks, and um, I have bought a shipping container full of condoms for when I update my profile pic with my baby nephew. I can't, and I, spe- <laughs> I have to make sure in the in the caption I say, "Not mine, not mine." Um, I think I'll do that in capitals and cannot wait to, to hoe into that shipping container full of condoms. Just me and a, and a, and a, and a young baby in the profile picture. Or maybe I'll be feeding it or, yeah, maybe maybe with a, with a bottle of my sister's breast milk, just feeding it. I'll tell you what, the girls will love that one. Um, Echoraces. Echoraces. Yep. Yeah. Right. And How was it? to review. I'm here to review it. But mm-hmm. first, I'd like mm-hmm. to speak to something uh, very close to my heart, just briefly. Um, the perils of using intermittent uh, Spanish in everyday conversation. <laughs> um, Here we go. Just a side bit yep. right now. I did, I did, there, there are perils. There are pitfalls involved with this. Uh, you think it's a casual dropping of a muchos gracias, <laughs> but you might accidentally <laughs> insult a hard-working uh, blue-collar Australian. You see, I was walking down the street the other day, uh, somewhere in between Red Hill and Kelvin Grove, and, there, and I had a stone roses... Uh, tote bag, as mm-hmm. you all know, mm-hmm. the plastic bag ban. Tote bags have become mm-hmm. a great way to express yourself. Tote bags are the new <laughs> yeah. haircut, as I say. Yeah, I like that. Um, and this fellow, who was a, it was a council worker. He was doing some tree lopping or something, doing some uh, some some outdoorsy stuff. And and he said, rather aptly, "Nice stone roses bag, dude." I turned to him. 
mm-hmm. and I say in, in an Oka accent, gracias. <laughs> Thank you oh. in Spanish. But when said in, in a rather Australian laid-back manner and without the, the flary hands to go with it, <laughs> one might True. think I literally just called him yep. a gracias person. <laughs> Um, and he, he gave me a rather strange look. And just today I was getting and some... you continued? Yes, no, there, there's yep. another pitfall. Yeah. You see, uh, you know when someone says, in, in a thank you in Japanese, they say, domo arigato, right? I never stop to think about this, but which one is actually thank you and which one is very much? Is domo thank you, arigato very much? I have no, no idea. idea. Very limited Japanese from what I learned from primary school, so I wouldn't know. I feel I like you know more it, than so I'm me. taking that card yeah. out. I feel like if you learn anything from primary school... Like it, Japanese would be thank you or hello. Yeah, well, it was. And it was also, um, what is your phone number? That's the only sentence that most people can remember too. I think the most important one is, where is the toilet? <laughs> and then yeah. also, please hurry up, tell me. It's so an emergency. how did that um, Japanese work out for you? Well, no, this was actually Spanish again oh. with, with my... Uh, so there's a local guy, I get Vietnamese lunch off sometimes. And one day I said, muchos gracias, and he just loved it. He smiled, <laughs> he smiled almost as much as he smiles when I pay him in cash. And, and he smiled and he said, muchos gracias, muchos. And now sometimes, when, well, pretty much every time I see him now, instead of saying the full thing, he just says, mucho, mucho. As in he thinks that part's the thank you and not the very much. So, mucho, ah, mucho. I feel like you are actually, you can speak Spanish, can't you? Oh, I can say thank you and where is the ba- where is the bathroom, please? It's an emergency. Hurry up! Right. Tell me. Okay. Um, that's all. Mm-hmm. Damn, I thought I thought you could because wasn't your show formerly known as a Spanish? Wasn't it a Spanish name? It was a, a Spanish pun. A year oi e manzana, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, a year oi e manana, e manana, right? Today, <laughs> no, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Uh, yeah, oi e manzana, yesterday, today, and apple. Like, it's not even funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, just, it's just Spanish. It's just something, it's just something I pointed out. <laughs> okay, um, well, I love it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we yeah, should yeah. go full circle and back to what you're reviewing. Oh. Talk us through it. Yes, the Eka. So I went to the Eka races yesterday, mm-hmm. right? And um, and I, I was very inspired and I thought I'd review it. Mm, you yes. guys been before? I have. I have not. In, uh, probably when I was like 18 or 19, the um, Mecca races, yeah. You went when you were 18, 19. I'm 25. You had judged me right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, did, I didn't mean to. We didn't, we didn't mean to go into like the whole oh, hello area. Mm-hmm. We just went up the wrong flight of stairs and accidentally saved $30 yeah. on our ticket. But um, as they say, if your partner doesn't look good on races day, they're never going to look good. <laughs> <laughs> and as I always say, if you're not going to throw up in a yellow bin on Echo Races Day, you're yeah, never going to throw up in I a yellow like, bin. Yep, that's that's definitely it. Uh, what about? Did you have some highlights from the day? Some lowlights? Some lowlights. I'll tell you what, they're real lowlights, and mm-hmm. I, I feel like this always happens when a bunch of uh, uh, eighteen to twenty-one year olds get together. A whole lot of fights. They were just, yes, they were just like, towards the end of the I've day. Noticed. I mean, everyone's having a good time, mm-hmm. and then I, I remember uh, I was standing next to this guy. He had curly hair. One of those funky shirts, and we were dancing. And I said, "This guy is nothing. He's a guy's a walking good vibe, right?" Mm-hmm. And then as I was leaving, you know, the the day becomes night. I'm walking down the street, and there he is, covered in blood. And his and his friends are like with the police, and I'm like, "What happened?" And they're like, "He got hit. <laughs> Someone hit this guy." Damn, that sucks. And I was like, I literally thought, and I, this doesn't happen very often. But I literally just thought myself, thought to myself, when I saw that guy earlier on, I was like, "That guy is awesome." Mm. Someone punched him in the face. <laughs> Someone obviously didn't agree. Yeah. There's also a lot of like underesting how underestimating how long you can wear heels for. Did you notice that at all? I mean, uh, you probably wouldn't, but I got there I just after the I, first race and I felt like there were a lot of people carrying around their shoes. Yeah. Even guys just carrying their white sneakers. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want to feel the soft grass. That's great. Yeah, magical. No. But uh, it's funny, me. You can't judge a girl for taking off her shoes because they're very uncomfortable. They are super uncomfortable. But then there's another moral lesson in that, and if you go for something, you have to commit to it. Mm. If you put those shoes on at the beginning of the day, maybe you have to quit them for the whole day. Mm. I don't want to wade into, you know, uncomfortable territory right here with with our two fantastic female hosts who potentially wear heels from time to time and potentially take them off and they've been wearing them for quite a long time. But um, commitment is a, is something that the Bible teaches um, and as you know, I'm a very concerned Christian. <laughs> Maybe yeah. we need the fancy dresses, the fancy hats, and just some sneakers underneath. That's all yeah. we need. Yeah, did you wear a fancy hat? 
fancy hat. No, did I wore... you wear a loud shirt or a loud jacket? Of course, of course. I mean, <laughs> I'm an attention seeker. I mean, <laughs> you can spot them from a mile away. But yeah, no, I feel like why? Why? I mean, why can't guys wear fascinators? Yeah. Why? Well, yeah. Well, why not? Did you wear one? Well, I didn't. No. Okay. I suppose, you know what? So you should set the trend. It'll well, be the new tote bag. One person wears one. That's brave. But you know who the mm-hmm. bravest person is? The first follower. So there will be one other yeah. person who goes, you know yeah. what? I like what you've done there. I'm going to wear one too. Mm-hmm. And the second follower is also very important because they actually take that into a movement. When the third person joins in, it becomes a movement. And then... It, then, then a few more people say, well, it's okay for me to do that. No one's going to think I'm that crazy. And then when there's more people doing it than not, you become judged for not doing it. It's how leadership yeah. works. Mm. So you just need to find two friends that will embarrass yourself. And, no, yeah. I think I'd rather find one friend who'll wear it first, one friend who'll wear it second, and then I can just come in with you be the more of an insurance yeah. policy. Yeah. Yeah. Just sort of like hold it on my head, take it off if everyone's judging <laughs> yeah. I love um, that. Um, let's play a track and then we'll get your... We'll get your actual review. Can I announce the track before you play it? Please. As Sean Paul with Get Busy. <laughs> I'd oh. love it if we played that. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try Heaps Good Friends with... We're talking Eka. Yes, we're talking mm. Eka. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Yes. Let's find out why we're myself... Eka races. Yes, Eka races, not Eka. Yeah, not I've never been to Eka. the actual Eka before. Yeah... I'm waiting for the special, yeah. the right girl to take me. <laughs> I want to be special. I feel like the the main thing that you'd probably go for, like older, would be um, would be the animals if you're an animal fan, or the strawberry ice cream. Oh, definitely. Yeah, strawberry ice cream. Unless you're a fan of Dagwood dogs. Yeah, and then when my case. date goes to the bathroom, I could be running and get some candy floss. Yeah, and, that's and, it. And a show and bag. Go on the right. <laughs> yeah. Eat a whole bunch of Freddos. Oh, look, yep. all right. No, let's get to the nitty gritty. Why did me and my family have to eat cereal for dinner last night? I couldn't tell you. Betting. Mm. Um, you mm-hmm. have, have other of you got online betting accounts? No, no. no. You're the lucky ones. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, I've got, I've got some some friends, and it's because they're young. They think they don't have a gambling problem, but they actually do. Mm-hmm. And if they, if they were like 50 and bald, everyone would be like, "That guy's got problems." <laughs> True. Um, so I, I was thinking of my mate, and he was uh, he was gambling very early in the morning. All right, and uh, and he said, "Look, he had a bad bet." So he called up the company. And he said, uh, look, I've a- I accidentally put a bet on. I meant to bet on something else. I accidentally put a bet on the horse that lost. And they said, oh, we'll talk to our manager on hold and they hang up. Mm-hmm. He says, don't worry, guys. I've done this before. You just keep calling. And about an hour and a half later, he finally came up, high-fived everyone said, got my 20 bucks what? back. What? <laughs> that keep is unreal. <laughs> well, there's enough competition between the betting companies that you can, like, make unreasonable demands. And they're like, right. oh, well, let's try and keep this customer. And I think okay. they look into their record and they said, God, this guy spent $3,000 already today. Mm-hmm. Let's just keep him, give him his 20 bucks back, you know. Um, but, yeah. But, so and did the, he put it toward a winning horse? I... Uh, judging by the look of him at the end of the day, shirt untucked, kicking over um, witch's hat cones not, in the street, I think he probably lost more. Yeah. But um, there is actually like a big red button you can push if you gamble too much. This is what my friend says. This is just mm-hmm. a rumour, actually. But he said, if you ring up and you say, I've just lost everything, um, I've got a family, I've lost everything, blah, 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 on this big bet I just put on, they, can, they actually have to give you your money back with your band from every betting company in Australia. From that point onwards. So really? in of itself, it's actually a gamble to say, well, I can't gamble anymore after I push this big red button and mm. get my money back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. I wonder if that's actually happened. Only one way to find out. Macca. Got to lose everything. <laughs> yeah. No, thanks. Uh, I'm not a fan of betting, but yeah. Did you win anything? Did you bet anything? I, uh, I finished the day $30 in the red if you don't include uh, money spent on drinks. Awesome. <laughs> True. Um, uh, anyway, so uh, also another pertinent topic, races. Uh, yes. Are you guys into your animal cruelty? Oh, I knew this would come up because it's it's uh, it's a big part of the Eka races. We do see a lot of Facebook posts about animal cruelty. Not a big fan of horse racing myself. Right. Go on. But you use, but you use glue. You know, that's made of 100% yes. horse. Mm-hmm. I'm not going <laughs> to offend you on that. No, no, no. Yeah. Well, look, I, I, I hear both sides of the argument. I would say that a lot of these horses are bred um, to, to be raced, right? Uh, when, when they invented the automobile, these horse-drawn carriages, they said, what are we going to do with all the horses? They just sent them to war and things like that. They said there was an oversupply of horses. Um, ra- horse racing already existed. But I think if it weren't for horse racing, there wouldn't be as many horses in the world. Now... The, the the big question is, what does it mean to exist? Is existing of itself a better thing than never having existed? If you get whipped from time to time, right, is that better than never existing? 
I couldn't tell you. You would never know because you won't know the alternative. Yeah. That's, uh, that's true. I mean, a lot mm. of people get whipped all the time voluntarily by leather-clad women and they would prefer to not exist than not to be whipped. <laughs> My food for thought, I guess. Yeah, food for thought. These are all <laughs> assumptions here. Healthy discussion assumptions. Yes. Mm. Um, anyway. So, so you're, you're <laughs> wrapping up all. on the ECHA races. What did you think? Uh, what was your favourite bit? Uh, my big issue is that while Eagle Farms closed due to uh, an absolute schmozzle of mm. re-turfing it, and um, uh, Doombin is an, a vastly inferior track. Um, people that want to bring their horses there because the track's not so great. It's a lot shorter than uh, Eagle Farm. Um, the corners are a lot tighter, so the, the horses in the outer lanes aren't within an earshot of victory. Um, uh, I would say that the Echo races, if you want to go to the races, don't start. maybe start there because as a DJ... Down mm. the track. So if you don't like the racing, you can have a dance. Actually, I heard there was some like uh, quite a few acts playing. Did you catch any of them? I, I saw them. Um, it's uh, sometimes it's hard mm. to tell one DJ apart from another. They, yeah. they both have the same <laughs> love heart signs with their hands. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, good times. So you had a good time. You had a nice little boogie uh, on the dance floor. Yeah, I, I did that. Mm-hmm. But the, mm-hmm. next time maybe they should put the DJ and stage maybe not right next to the track, so you yeah. can't see the horses. Fair. But right. I think it definitely that exemplified. What, ev- what, is, what was all about. So yeah. just fix the layout situation and then you got it. Yeah, well, uh, maybe fix the whole uh, under underage 17-year-old uh, race day thing. I, I think if you, if you want to go to the races, Stradbroke Day at Eagle Farm. Oh, okay. Start there. Start, start at the top. Never heard of that one, but that sounds cool. Mm-hmm. But only when they got rid of the horses and there's no animal cruelty. Right, okay. <laughs> and then we just get naked men running around <laughs> getting fined. That'd be great. Um... <laughs> Your show next week. Have you got any planned for Radiothon? Anything I've got, planned? Uh, well, depends. You don't usually. Has my replacement got anything planned? I'm actually away next oh, Tuesday. Oh, no. It's yes. a big week as well. Yeah, right? I actually... Radiothon, the it biggest was a week massive, in town. It was an administrative error, I'll, I'll, say, <laughs> I'll say the least, yeah. Right. I apologise. If there's anything I can do to make up for it, just let me know. <laughs> so who's stepping in to help you out? I'm not actually sure, but I'm sure they'll do a great job. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. well, I actually can't say that with any authority. I don't know who it is. They could do, they could potentially do a really bad job. <laughs> It'd make you look better then. Yeah, so absolutely. So that's good. That's actually, can, can we get a complete amateur to do my show next Tuesday? <laughs> Karen! Karen, can you book a complete idiot next Tuesday? No, I'm away. I can't do it. Anyway, yeah. thank you for <laughs> stopping in. It was good to hear from you, and we'll catch you in two weeks. Yeah, thank you. It's good to see you all. See you in two weeks. I was getting a, I was, I was, I was at a pub late, uh, later on that evening, and um, I'd had quite a few Shirley Temples, if you know what I mean, and I was downstairs going for a bit of a wee, draining the main vein, as it were, and because of all the Shirley Temples, I really, really needed to go. So I went up to the urinal and I unzipped my trousers as most people usually do when they go to the bathroom um, and, and I, I, I went for gold and one man seemed particularly perturbed by the force upon which um, my urine was hitting the urinal and he, he turned and he said, wow, that's quite a racket and then uh, when he left there was another fellow there and he said, well, that guy was a bit prejudiced with, against your flow. And then he paused and he said, he's very pressuredist. And I thought that was just genius. And you guys can write that one down if you like. That was very pressuredist of him because he was prejudiced against my, my, the pressure well, of my of my urine. And just yesterday I was getting a haircut. And so there was this little guy loitering around behind me and um, he didn't really know English very well. And so after I was done, he, he came up and he said, hello, uh, Italiano and the hairdresser said you after a haircut and this man looked at him very bemused and and the man repeated his sentence again as if um, it was merely the how quiet he he said it that was the problem you after a haircut and the man said I know I know I understand and um and I, that's when I popped up and I said would you like to have a haircut and he was like yes I thought, mate, this big idiot, you after a haircut, I mean, actually think about what you're saying. If you didn't know English and someone yelled at you, you after a haircut, what do you think that means? He's standing there holding a razor and he says, you after a haircut. 
You're essentially saying, after I cut your hair, I'll shiv you in the groin. Um, so just think about that next time an Italian man wanders into your hairdressing salon. A very uh, pleasant surprise this evening. We've had Mark the Colonel uh, filling in tonight with his uh, an extra hour of nothing but the blues. Mark, he's been flying the flag for Brisbane Blues for uh, over 40 years. He's hosting Blues Jams every Sunday down at the Morrison Hotel. 40 years he's been doing it here. Um, Mark is to the, the Blues what Cardinal Pell is covering up institutional child sex abuse. I was actually down in, in Sydney, of all places, training to be a marriage celebrant. So I'll be a marriage celebrant local, you get mates rates, and you know what? Your third marriage is free. So I, I told my friend, look, you can worry about these properties and these shares you're trading in, but the most important financial decision you'll ever make in your entire life is to marry the right woman. Because... Lord knows, if you don't, she'll leave with at least half. In fact, sometimes if you marry the really right woman, it might be a good thing that you leave with half because you're some, you know, a 7-Eleven night shift worker and you marry a corporate lawyer um, because Lord knows the majority of them are female these days. Uh, life advice number one, live life like you're planning to write an autobiography at age 80. You know, just do... Uh, find yourself in interesting situations uh, just so you can beef up that autobiography. Actually, I'll expand that one. Live life like you're planning to write an autobiography that will become a bestseller when you're 80 years old. Uh, life advice number two. Treat your girlfriend or wife like her brother and father are bikies. My third piece of life advice. Nothing is ever given to you in life you have to take it. But did you know there's actually a fourth piece of life advice that I can offer you? And that is, you must see the Book of Mormon. And if you die without having seen the Book of Mormon, then Mother Trucker, resurrect yourself. Resurrect yourself, Mother Trucker. And I know not everyone can resurrect themselves. I know um, it all depends on who your father is. Yeah, so on. You're the son of God. You can resurrect yourself. Yeah, I know. We've seen you do it before. We're all very impressed. Um, this whole resurrecting yourself is very much a who you know, not what you know kind of business. You're the son of God. It's very easy just to resurrect yourself. Um, but honestly, th this musical changed my life. I didn't realize a musical could be so uh, entertaining. And like, I mean, that, take nothing away. The, 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 the songs, the dancing, the acting, the costumes, the sets, they're all so extravagant. They, 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 they grabbed musicals and they kicked it out of the ballpark. They were like Buddy Franklin from five meters out at the MCG. And the ball was musicals, and Buddy Franklin was the human embodiment of all people who were involved in making this particular musical. And everyone in the crowd was everyone in the crowd. Um, now, I have to say that there are two chapters in my life. Chapter one is me before I saw the Book of Mormon, and chapter two is me after I saw the Book of Mormon. I mean, I, I, I've seen musicals before. This is not my first musical rodeo. This is not my first, you know, some cowboy on the back of a bull singing and dancing. Um, but I've never left a musical... Go I mean, I say, uh, every musical I've ever seen, I've, I've gone, well, that was pretty good, wasn't it? How about that, guys? Yeah, not bad. But I've never sat down, put on a... Uh, in front of a microphone and told the entirety of Southeast Queensland, the world even, because this is live streamed on the internet, the possibilities are endless, and told all of you that this is a musical you had to see. How often do you see a musical and, tell, and then tell every single person you know, and even just complete randoms in the street, that they have to see it? No musical makes you do that. Only this one, The Book of Mormon. And I cannot, I cannot wait to receive that big check in the mail for, pr for promoting the musical live on air. Great unhanded business. Um, but the, the thing I liked most about the Book of Mormon is because it was a critique of reli religion. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of religion. And because, I mean, as the old saying goes, I mean, what's an angry Mormon going to do? Forgive you? Now, let's play a little game called Yes or No. Um, or maybe... 
Now, th- this game essentially uh, involves me saying yes or no or maybe. Uh, so today's topic for yes uh, or no or maybe is homeless people. Um, and I'm, it's a maybe for me. Uh, it's a maybe. You see, uh, homeless people in many ways harmless and can be friendly. And it's, it's, a, it's a great way for people to... People uh, innately have, in my opinion, innately have some empathy. And we store it up and we need to give it out. We need to, we need to show love. Those who don't show love become miserable. So people like uh, giving coins to homeless people and sandwiches and it makes them feel good. And then they smile and laugh all the way home because they've done a good thing. Um, but there's this one particular homeless man and, and I, I've seen him around quite a bit. He's a notoriously homeless man. This guy is always homeless. Like, he seriously does not have a home. And um, I've seen him in West End, the Valley. I've seen him in the CBD. And he has this this one line. He always says this one line. He says, got any spare change? And it's like his catchphrase. It's like he, uh, I've actually copped the, the, the question a couple of times. He's popped the qu- He's got down on one knee for me a couple of times before and asked, uh, would you like to give me some spare change? But um, one time I was actually, I saw him sitting on a bench and I was riding my push bike down the street and um, on the sidewalk, of course, which is legal in Brisbane if you go at a reasonable pace. But on this particular occasion, I was, I was riding at some pace. I was zooming, guys. And I saw him sitting on the bench. I'm like, surely he's not going to ask me. Surely he cannot ask me. And as I zoomed past and the wind from my bicycle ruffled his hair, all I heard was, you got any spare chain? Um, got any spare chain? Um, and uh, I, found that, I found that quite impressive, his commitment. Um, so, and then I, I actually saw him again twice in the last week. Uh, the first time I actually saw him uh, getting out of a taxi at the traffic lights at the Normanby Five Ways. And he he just got out and he just walked diagonally, like across the whole thing, across like five. And all these cars were just stopping. And I was in the in the, the seat of uh, my, my mate's car and I was just like, I know that homeless man. That, that is one of the most audacious things I've ever seen. And he wasn't even walking quickly. Like he was going slowly. Like I've never seen a person give um, fewer poos about anything. He really didn't give two poos about anyone's uh, work day or what doctor's appointment or swimming class I need to get to. He was just wa- he was committed to walking straight across that five ways. And you know what? I was actually a little bit impressed. Um, but, uh, as I went to a coffee shop the other day and there's all these pay it forward things. Like, you know, people buy one coffee and then they, they put a coffee voucher on the, on the, uh, on the wall and it'll say a nice message. It'll be like, pay it forward. And I say, I asked the, the barista, so at least for like homeless people and stuff like that. And he's like, yeah, yeah, people like buying them coffees. And I said, you know what? We're all one redundancy and divorce away from being homeless, aren't we? And he said, mate, you are exactly right. That's me. Divorced and I was made redundant. And I was like, oh, but like, you're not, you're not homeless. So it, it kind of ruined my point a little bit. It doesn't matter. Um... Uh, and, but this is this is the piece de resistance. I'm walking down the street just yesterday on Ann Street, and I see this particular homeless gentleman who will remain unnamed, um, partially but not entirely because I have no idea what his name is. And um, but I will reveal his gender. Um, su- surprise, surprise! The homeless person is a male. Um, I saw him sprawled out on a park bench, taking up the whole thing. And he was just sitting there digging for gold, one figure, one finger deep up his nose, and I sort of made eye contact and and looked away, and and he says, "What are you looking at, your dog?" So uh, he's sitting there, he's taking up the whole park bench, which is rude of itself, no matter who's doing it. Um, if it was a man in a in a lovely Louis Vuitton suit who was sprawled out taking up a whole park bench, he'd walk past and go, well, that's a little bit selfish, isn't it? And that's why an old person is, or a pregnant person needs to sit down. But when it's a homeless person, we sort of, maybe sometimes we glaze over and go, oh, you know, that's uh, that's, a, that's a bed. You know, you got, you got a park bench, you got a bed. But um, uh, he's picking his nose. Uh, which you know, I kind of understand that. I- I've taken a pick in my nose in public quite a bit lately. But um, but then he then he calls me a dog, and I- it got me really thinking because I've often seen uh, many 
many like uh, viral videos on like Facebook, and they'll be they'll go something along the lines of, "Oh man, man buys car for homeless guy." Wow, inspirational video. And it, the guy will be like, "Why do you serious? This car's for me." And they'll be like, "Yeah, I bought you a car." And I because I saw this particular video, and this guy was like, "Man, I've seen this guy walking to work uh, every day. I drive past him, and I just wanted to do something, so I bought him this car." And um, I'm like, "That's." I was thinking to myself, that's what I do. I walk to work every day. Um, maybe I'll just keep walking to work, and then somewhere down the line, some 40-year-old rich dude who's pondering the meaning of life um, will buy it, just buy me a car and like pat me on the back and put me in some viral video, and I'll be like, um, I'm literally wearing a suit. Like I'm literally wearing a suit walking to work. Um, you got to do some background checks. Just because he's walking to work every day doesn't mean he's homeless. And even if he is homeless, you just bought him a car. What's the price of petrol these days? What about rego? Car insurance? Jesus. You're actually setting up this guy to become even more homeless than he was before. He'd be like, sweet, I got this car, and now you got all these running costs. I'm going to have to sell... You're going to see... Next time you drive past him, he's going to be walking down the street completely butt naked in the freezing cold because he had to sell all his clothes to pay for petrol. And then he ran out of petrol, and now he can't even drive his car. So he's walking to work naked. Congratulations, sir, you 40-year-old rich dude with uh, no understanding of the meaning of life. Um, but then this video actually got one up because I remember watching one. It was in the last year or so. And um, it was like a guy buys homeless man a home. Like he bought him a home. And it wasn't like, obviously it wasn't a great home. Obviously it wasn't perched up on Albion Hill or anything. And this is in, in America, of course. Um, but... Uh, yeah, bought him like this, this kind of like crappy home, but it was a home. Like a home is a home is a home is a home, as they say. And uh, I kind of thought to myself, this is actually a bit mean. This is actually a bit rude because at least a homeless man is something. They are homeless, right? You 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 stand for something. Uh, you 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 stand for homelessness, all right? Um, this do-gooder who's bought him a home has actually robbed him of his identity, of who he is, a homeless man. Now he's just a man, a poor man in a crappy home. There are heaps of those guys. Just another nameless uh, poor bloke in a crappy home. That's what you've, that's what you've made, turned him into. You should be ashamed of yourself for buying that man a home. Uh, it begs the question, going back to my earlier story uh, of the, the sprawling and the, the nose picking and the dog calling, um, why do we presume that homeless people are good people? We like why no background check before we go buying them cars, uh, buying them homes, or even slipping them a Seven Eleven sandwich. Um, now the other day on my flight back from Sydney, I said what could only be described as my most underappreciated joke of all time. I got my ticket and I read uh, my 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 seat number. I was sitting in seat eighteen C. So as I get on, as I get on, I show it to the the steward, uh, and he says, "Yes, just down to the right." And I say, "Seat eighteen C, Tony Abbott, you must repeal that seat." And he and the man said, "Repeal? Why? What? Um, you know, they, they, you can't really joke around with airplane people sometimes." And I said, "You know, seat eighteen C, like section eighteen C, that the." the anti-discrimination section that Tony Abbott wanted to repeal. 